welcome to Sustain. I'm your host, Richard Lutauer. I'm here at FOSSI, the free and open source software conference yearly run by Software Freedom Conservancy in Portland, Oregon. Very excited to be here today. And I'm also here with a guest, which is a good thing. So you don't have to listen to me talk the entire time. Aaron Wolf. Aaron, how are you doing today? I'm just fine. Excellent. I'm glad to hear it. Aaron is the founder of snowdrift.coop. Yeah. Well, I could even jump in with that. Co-founder is the term I use. With a co-op, uh, you don't just have a founder, right? You always have to have co-founders. Well, I could actually go off on a lot of tangents on any of these things. Founding is a complicated thing, and people have a lot of assumptions about it. That's what happens when a ship goes down and sea, when right? I, yeah, foundering, right? Yeah. When I first was getting involved in any of this, uh, I did not set out to do that. In other words, I have this idea in my head. This might be unfair, but I basically thought of the prototypical founder as somebody who didn't know what the world needed really, didn't really care, just wanted to start something. Yeah. So they say, I'm going to start a thing. What should I start? And I thought that that was actually a source of tons of problems in the world rather than solutions. And so I was resistant to starting something. And it was a friend of mine who I was talking to and complaining about things who said, hey, I could help you do something with that thing you're complaining about. And I was... What were you complaining about? I was complaining about how there's tons of people in the world who are making valuable public goods. Yep. In this case, the example was Task Coach, this task management software that I was trying to get to use as I switched to a Linux system from being an Apple user for many years. I was freaked out about the direction that Apple was going. And this was back in 2012 yep. when I was having this initial you know, complaint conversation. And I was basically saying, I really like all these things about what Apple does. I like this particular software that I use. And also I feel kind of helpless because this software would be so good if it only like something a little tweaked and yep. nobody. I'm just helpless. Please, please, please. I'm begging them. Can they please change this? Yep. By contrast, when I was trying this Linux system and I contacted the developers of this other software, it actually did the thing I wanted, <laughs> but had all these bugs and yes. other problems. And I contacted them and it was like, this is great, uh, but it would be really great if it just had this one other little change that would really help me. And they got right back to me personally and said, well, we're just a couple guys who do this in our spare time. You know, so if you gave us 20 bucks or something, it might like be nice to show us a thank you, but it wouldn't really change anything because we have day jobs and we only have so much time. Fair enough. Good for them. And I was like, but there's like 15,000 people who downloaded the last yes. update to this software. There's like a lot of people using this. This is crazy because that other software got 2 million people to pay 50 bucks. That's a lot of money. So how does Snowdrift fix the problem? Well, the original complaint was, I really wish I could just tell the rest of the people who use the same software that I'd chip in a little bit if they'd chip in. Cool. Seems pretty simple. Yeah. And my friend was like, what do you mean? And so I said, well, like my original idea was if I could just send a message to everybody, like I'll put in a dollar for every thousand people who would put in a dollar with me. A matching donations type yeah. thing for open source. Yeah. Because yeah. like there's all these people who use the software and like I just wish it could get fixed. And if it had even a tenth, you know, a tenth or a hundredth of the funding of that other thing where they just say, screw you, you know, we're going to do what we want because it's some proprietary software. It could do all the things I wouldn't want it to do. And yeah, like, great. And there's enough people and there's enough money. And like, why can't we just make this happen? How does Snowdrift work? Well, so the idea was we build a system where you just say, okay, that you want to say that to people. So yeah. we have a project on a website Yep. and you get to say, hey, everybody, I will give a dollar for every thousand people who will give with me to this project each month. Yep. Seems like the simplest thing in the world. Yeah. And so my friend was like, I can throw together a website in a few months or something, get something working and be great and we'll do it. And then you can support projects. And I was like, 
I didn't set out to found anything or like start. So I've never been a programmer. I sort of was involved in helping the task coach folks by like organizing the bugs and stuff. Cause they, they were like at saying that there was some way I could help. Yep. And, uh, I was just like, if, if I do this, this can take over my entire life because this is like a, actually way more complicated than people would think it is. Cause get projects on there and like make it a good experience. And then you're dealing with money and like legal stuff. And this sounds like a crazy headache. My friend was like, no, it's no big deal. Like you just put together a website. We'll make it happen. I was really skeptical, but I was like, okay, we write we'll just, this is the simplest thing in the world. We get this out there. As long as it's functioning, the main thing is that I don't have to get somebody's, you know, a big ask at the beginning. Because it was like, hey, if nobody else joins you, you give us a penny yep. or whatever. Who cares? Great. So it's easy for the people to early adopters. Yep. And once there are early adopters, everybody else is like, hey, that's cool. Look, these 1,500 people are going to give more to this project when I join. That feels good. Yeah. So here we are 10 years later and it's still not working. It happens. So we didn't have a system like it working for itself so that we could get funding. Yep. And the first few months were like me bugging my friend being like, so are you going to put gonna that thing, thing on the not? page yeah, that yeah, you said yeah. you're going to do? Oh, I was busy, you know, on the weekend yeah. with like family, something or other. I'll get to it this other time. And we ended up where we put together this prototype and it was mostly some text and some whatever bootstrap style, you know, like generic sort of website with a button, click the button, you get the thing, whatever, but fake money just, you know, as a prototype so people could see how it works. And I didn't feel like it was presented quite well enough. And I, but I tried started getting just going around. I went to, I moved to Portland actually in 2013. And the same week that I was here was what this conference, Fosse is kind of replacing a little bit was OSCON, yep. this big conference. Yeah, yeah. And I had like culture shock because I was not a programmer. My background is I'm a music teacher. Cool. I do other things. I've been sort of politically active, interested in economics. You're not the only music teacher here today. You know that? Well, you know, I've actually found more interest in some of the music stuff that I talk about with <laughs> other people in cool. tech conferences than it. Anyway, that's a whole other story. But yes, it ties in because actually one of the things that set me up for this is that I went to the public library and was like looking at all the different music books yep. for figuring out the best books for my students. And I was really pissed off because there was lots of kind of mediocre junk. Yep. You go to the bookstore and it was like, literally there's Alfred Music published two books with different pictures on the cover with like different titles that was the exact same content. It's like flooding the market. So this naive person at this bookstore is like, I don't know, they're just looking at books. This one looks good. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, you can yeah. fill up the bookshelf with your stuff. Yeah. And it's all totally all rights reserved, yep. restricted. So I could just add another book to the other 10,000 books that already exist and just get lost in the mix if yep. I like spent a huge amount of time writing a book. But what I really would like to do is take the best thing from that book and the best thing from this book and take this book that was almost good and fix that part that was confusing yeah. and make it better for the world. Sure. And there's no way, there's no method for that. That's not how the copyright system works. That's, that's not how publishing open source works. development yeah. is like. It is how open source works, not how publishing works. So really people not. in software understand that. Yes. The people in music education, they're all doing it, actually. Like, yep. in reality, musicians go to the concert, they listen to somebody else, they're like, wow, that's awesome, they're inspired, they go and do something else that sounds sort of like that thing. That's creativity, that's like, everything's a remix. But when it comes to the actual publishing stuff and developing things, like, there's not the open source process. There's no open source guitar method where all the guitar teachers in the world can all help make it the best. Like, the wiki book for guitar is pretty junky, and, like, I could spend a whole bunch of time working on it, but... Yep. You know, well, I still make a living. So okay, so so hang on. The, the, the whole point to skip okay, great. all this stuff is when we 
ran into obstacles upon obstacles upon different things with trying to use open source free software stuff, talk about ideals and ethics and run the whole thing as a co-op because that's how it should be if you're going to have this type of platform. I have these complaints about the, what happens with the venture capital yep. investment. Yep. I could go on about the details about it, but after some number of years, well, I guess I'd say this in the first year, we got something like a thousand, 2000 people kind of signed up on a mailing list, people interested. I had the experience of going to like some conference and having somebody be like, Hey, what do you do? Oh, I'm working on something to help with funding for free software. Oh, what do you mean? What sort of thing? Like Snowdrift? Yeah, cool. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. And it was like, you, you're the guy with Snowdrift. Like I've heard all these things yeah. or whatever. At one point we ran a fundraising campaign, like a Kickstarter style thing. And we got up to like the number two or something on the front page of Hacker News on somebody's yep. blog post, everything for like, you know, a few hours. And so like we got a lot of attention, a lot of interest, but very little of it turned into enough money to like fund a team to work on really building it well. And we ended up running that campaign without even a good mailing list. Because I was like, I don't want to use MailChimp or blah, 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 whatever. Yep. These things, that's all proprietary stuff. We were trying to figure out how to use the right tools. And my friend wasn't putting it all into place. And it's all new to me. And so we had tons of potential, tons of momentum. I had a kid. Life goes on. We had ups and downs. Like, it's a long story. Ten years of this. And somehow, because we didn't take the venture capital thing and I didn't spend all my life savings, the project's not broke. The project has no debts, basically. Nice. And there's something between five or six people who are really dedicated to the project, at least showing up to meetings or something and checking in. And maybe 200 people who are like kind of here and there, sometimes showing up saying, hey, how's it going? What's happening with Snowdrift? And right now there's, uh, last I checked, 156 patrons with real money in actually using Stripe saying that they're going to give a dollar for every 10,000 people who, no, for every thousand people. So it'd be $10, $10 if there's 10,000 people. A dollar for every thousand people who will donate to Snowdrift. Cool. Just to, to fund it itself. Great. And well, eight hundred and sixty-four more. Forty-four more. Well, it depends on what our you know, yeah. we're talking about budgets and everything else. No, we haven't charged them because fifteen cents a month isn't worth charging. No. So we're letting that build up. And the site itself needs a bunch of work. And we're like, there's work to do on the next version of the site, but it just draws out over time because we don't have all the resources to put in. You know, if, if we had a team working on it for about three months or something, like full time, we would just have a thing and it would work. Yep. Of course, the world is different today than it was yes. 10 years ago. Even the whole world of economics and AI stuff and everybody's assumptions, it's a different space. But, but it's also faster to move now. It's a whole lot easier to get stuff going. Stripe exists, didn't used to exist. Balanced payments yeah. was competitor to Stripe that was more ethical and more open and we used them, and then they shut down. That sucks. There's a whole background story to that that I won't say on the podcast that I could talk to you about later, about my speculations and behind-the-scenes stuff from why I think that happened. And yeah, this whole space is interesting, but it is not easy to be involved in working with money. There's legal stuff. Yep. You got to pay lawyers to have terms of service be certain ways. And I've talked to a lot of people who all think that what we're doing is more has more potential to really change the whole system than what almost anything else out there yep. is doing. Yep. And near zero of those people are going to step up and say, here's enough budget, you know, here yeah. we'll give you the grant. It's, it's like tough. We, we it, apply to something yeah. like the Shuttleworth Fellowship and it's, it's a lot of work just to make a really good pitch. But I think you can tell me what you think. This is my story is I think that people give out big grants tend to go, this looks really unlike the sort of stuff. This isn't what we were looking for. We have like already in mind the sort of thing that's doing what we're looking for. I don't know. This is really audacious or some different thing. It's doing something else or 
Or maybe they look at it and go, oh, it's just a different way for people to match each other. Like, I don't get it why that would make any difference. And they just... It's tough. Grant is a really tough field and it's hard to apply for and it's hard to give. I've worked with a lot of grantors. So we have not spent most of our time focusing on pursuing grants because I don't think that would work. But if we're not doing the venture capital thing and we're not independently wealthy... Then it takes time. The world needs what we're working on just as much as it needed 10 years ago. Yep. But I still don't know. Well, I will say this. This last couple months, we started the first actual charges. So it's a big milestone thing. Great. And you're the first person outside of the team that I've even mentioned it to, because what we did is we sent some test emails to the people who've been pledging the longest saying, you're actually now up at $5 or something that's at 15 cents a month or whatever. All this time is added up and we're going to charge it, but I want to make sure you're okay with that since it's been such a crazy long time. And here's the status. Yep. And there's this dilemma of do I go ahead and make a big announcement to people when I'm not really ready for all the attention and there's tons of bugs on the website? Or do we wait until we get it really nice and polished and then make a big announcement to people? But getting it polished takes a long, long time. Yeah, that's a tough question. The short of it, though, is 156 people out of some 2,000 or something who got interested, 156 people somehow made a real pledge to Snowdrift itself as the first project, even though we never went and announced to anybody, hey, it's active, you can come (laughs) pledge. Yeah. So I don't think I don't think it's an issue of like are people willing to do it. Yeah. I think we could easily get 10,000 people to pledge if I went and made a good announcement with a good system and it was all in place. Well, you know this is being recorded, right? Yeah. Cool. So let's hope a few more people jump on. Not saying you're launching it here, but I'm just saying it's a good thing. So yeah. that's cool. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you one one thing that ties in with this. Yep. The closest, well, actually the thing that got us the most attention is that when we first started back in so in 2013. Yes. We did a review of every single crowdfunding platform we could find so yeah. that we knew what the space was. Yeah. I don't like the, the trend of people just saying, I have an idea, I'm just going to go make it without seeing if there's somebody already working on it who needs their help. There are a lot of people in the space and a lot of them have come and gone now. Well, I've seen a yeah. lot of them come and go. Yeah. And so the thing is, each t- I mean, I have tons of experience with somebody else who I found out starting a thing and I contacted them and said, hey, we're already working on something in that direction. Would you come help us? Yeah. And most of the time the answer was, oh, I already bought a web domain, so I'm going to just keep going. <laughs> yeah. And then you know, after a few months, they disappear. Anyway, the point is we have this part on our website where we summarized the, honestly, this is not even an exaggeration. I made a database when in 2013, there were something like 760 crowdfunding sites. That's a lot. And more than I expected. We actually reviewed every single one of them. Yep. Some of them I don't even want to think about because they were, and they were not related to free software, but we highlighted the ones that were closest to what we were doing and that got the most attention. So each time that Patreon, which even in this case, talk about age, they started after we had started. Yep. But of course they got the venture capital funding. So they had the resources and they went and zoomed and got started. Each time they do something that pisses off people. Suddenly we get a bunch of people saying, Hey, check out this web page, this wiki page <laughs> cool. from Snowdrift, where they summarize all the alternatives. Cool. Because we have this page. You should keep that updated. And we have been working on keeping it reasonably updated. And the closest thing that I would say to what we're doing is Open Collective, which I think is surprisingly amazing in terms of how they've managed to keep a certain ethic and certain ideas. And they are fitting a different niche in the sense that what they're solving. They're fitting a different niche. They almost got to what you did with their back your stack and quadratic funding. Yeah, I can talk about that with you in detail, but the gist, the gist yeah. about that I see with them is they're solving the stuff that we struggled with. Yeah. We didn't have the legal well, they got amazing designers and, you know. But it's not just fine, that. So 
I mean, the fact is a project can go to Open Collective. Yes. And they automatically don't have to worry about a bunch of stuff with handling money yes. and legal stuff. Yeah. That stuff hurt us. Yeah. Like it delayed us to have to deal with that. Yeah. yeah. Still dealing with it. Yeah. They do a good job with that. I've been keeping thinking about, I should reach out to them and I wish whatever, if they could just do what we were trying to do. That's you know, I worked there for the last year and a half, right? So I no, can connect I you with people. Okay. Well, I'm happy to connect you with people. I was working at Open Source Collective. I left around a month ago. But nice. Very happy to direct you on. I, I would be happy to make some connections. I do know some of them. In fact, I know that one of, I think one of the founders actually donated to our original. That's unsurprising. It sounds like Xavier's thing or Pia. I wouldn't be surprised. No, it's no. one of the other people. Cool. Anyway, there's people who are connected with Open Collective who supported us early on before Open Collective even existed. But the whole reason Open Collective exists at Snowdrift at Co-op is still struggling is because they got some few million dollars in venture capital investment. And the question in my mind is whether they will succeed at the exit to community. Because I don't know. We will see. Yeah. Uh, Their heart's in the right place. So Yes, absolutely. Yeah. P is great. Most people in this space, I see as not having that sort of bigger picture view. Yeah. They see Some it people as, do. Chad Whiteacre does. He's amazing at Century. Uh, he ran GitTip, which before that was something else. I'm forgetting the name. Yeah, it was, it was GitTip was the original name. Yeah. And it yeah. turned into Gratipay. That's right. Yeah. Um, and I have... Yeah, we could talk about that, but that's it. We could, but we actually should wrap up this conversation because it's already gone a bit longer than most of the other ones I've been having today. So snowdrift.coop is the URL. That's right. And I'm giving a talk on Sunday here where I'll give a, what over the years we've come to our sort of way of explaining the nature of public goods and why this type of solution is needed and why it doesn't work to just have people unilaterally donate. You got to coordinate. That's what it comes down to. That's really exciting. Um, I wish I had more time to talk about digital public goods and the difference between that and public goods that you're talking about. But we might we're going to have to deal with that another, another, another conversation another day. Where can people find you online, Aaron? Well, I have a personal website. It's wolftune.com. It's a bit outdated and it's my music stuff focused on because I'm a music teacher. Yep. But you can involve get involved in Snowdrift. I mean, we have a forum and we use Matrix and cool. some other things like that. So people can easily reach us if they want to reach us. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Good luck with everything. I hope the talk goes well, and I hope that you continue to find more people to the point where you have the critical mass necessary to build to completion and to turn the snowdrift into a glacier. It, it, actually, the, the core point of it is yeah. that the snowdrift is blocking the road. That's like the public goods dilemma, it's like <laughs> a game theory thing. And the question is, who's going to shovel the snow? I understand the snowball sort of thing, whatever. We've Not me. My, things, my back hurts, but yeah, good luck. Well, that's the point is like, maybe you would say you'll shovel a little bit for if everybody else will do their part. Sure. That's the, that's the whole point. That's not what's happening right now. That's good. Good luck. Thank you so much. Listeners, I hope you have enjoyed this podcast. If you're curious about Fosse, where these were recorded, go to sfconservancy.org to the Software Freedom Conservancy's website where you can learn more about it. It's been really, really fun to be here and have these great conversations about free and open source software. Of course, if you've liked this podcast, please let us know. Like us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to it. Email us at podcast.sustainoss.org. At Give us any thoughts or comments or queries or complaints. We would love to hear them. And of course, please tell your friends. Word of mouth is the single best way to get more listeners on this podcast. And hopefully you think that that's something we should have. If you would like to donate, you can go to Open Collective to sustain OSS, where you can donate to the production cost for this podcast, which is not free. So that would be super, super great. And of course, you can join in the conversation yourself by going to discourse with the same OSS.org to go chat. And you can follow us on Twitter at the same OSS, on Mastodon, and I believe on Blue Sky. 
So thank you so much for listening and take care. Bye.